show, man, is coming from. You're right. You don't know anything about the macho man, Randy Savage, and where I'm coming from. Because it's mind-boggling to you, yeah. How one man could make it to the top of the World Wrestling Federation mountain, yeah. All by myself. No pukesters helping me to the left. And no pukesters helping me to the right. Didn't need them then. Don't need them now. champion by myself, all by myself. You don't know where I'm coming from, Hulk Hogan, this Sunday afternoon, but I know where you're coming from, yeah. I know everything about Hulk Hogan, yeah. I know what makes you tick, yeah. And you've got the audacity, yeah, to see that in WrestleMania 5, that Hulkamania is gonna survive. That was the Mancho Man, Randy Savage, uh, cutting a promo for WrestleMania Five uh, with the main event, uh, Savage versus Hogan, Hulk Hogan. Um, God, you know, wrestling, pro wrestling has uh, such an influence on my life from my early adolescence. Um, you know, whether it was wrestling with my brother and in the house or in the backyard, or just you know, cutting promos with him or our friends and. Uh, it, it just, I think it just kind of fueled my imagination. You know, it's a mixture of, you know, fantasy and, and comic book hero ethos. And, you know, <laughs> throughout my life, I've heard, you know, oh, right, you know, it's fake, right? You know, it's fake. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's escapism. You know, it's like vaude, violent vaudeville. Um, it's really has... Uh, it's probably influenced me just as much as Arthur Miller or Shakespeare or Van Morrison or Miles Davis. Um, so I thought uh, with the uh, podcast this week, I thought we'd take a little detour from our usual uh, you know, mindfulness-centered conversation and just dedicate it to wrestling. Uh, today's guest is the bass player for the band Sick Joke. So I thought he is the perfect uh, navigator into this world. Uh, probably knows more about the world of pro wrestling than anybody that I know. So let's just get right into it. The Vanotron Curious World podcast special episode of wrestling. <laughs> The year is 1996, mm-hmm. and the event is King of the Ring. Yeah. And uh, I believe Triple H was supposed to win, right? Um, I don't, you know what, I don't know if, uh, I'm not really sure about that, um, I don't know, but, you know, obviously you get into the whole 
the birth of 316, correct? Yeah, so right. yeah, exactly. So um, when I was a kid growing up, my, uh, my very favorite wrestler was Jake Snake. And then, and then he left for a while. Right. And then he got fat. He got so fat he had to wear a shirt. Right, right. And then, uh, <laughs> and then he, he found God. Yeah. Now, was that a gimmick or did he actually find God? Um, no, he might have, but didn't he start hitting the pipe around all that time? Uh, yeah, that, that was my point. That's probably why he, you know, we got into, he was all messed up, so that's probably what happened. He, maybe he found God in that way. I thought, okay, so my, my understanding is Triple H was supposed to win, but for some reason he, I don't know why he, he wasn't able to. Um, and then uh, a, a, a wrestler... Make going up in the ranks, known as uh, the ringmaster. Ringmaster with Ted DiBiase, yeah. Was uh, he was he was really cutting some really good promos. So they figured, oh, let's let's. He he was um, he was getting a lot of heat, right? Which uh, which we'll get into in a little bit. What 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 that means in terms of getting heat and babyface and heel and yeah, stuff yeah. like that. But this wrestler was uh, he was attracting a lot of heat. He was he was uh, getting put over. Another term we'll get into. And he kicked the shit out of Jake the Snake. It wasn't even... I mean, usually in main events, it's it's kind of back and forth. This was just a, a straight slaughter. So as a kid, I was just like, wow, that's... He just kicked the shit out of him. And he was so merciless. It's just so ruthless. And then Michael Hayes was interviewing him, and he just grabbed the mic, and he just made history. That's it. What's funny, though, is, yes, Austin 316 just whipped your ass. Yeah. Right. But wait, wait, wait. So, yeah. so, so, I, I would imagine I interpret it as he, he specifically used three sixteen because of Jake the Snake, right? Um, I, because he was getting into right, God and everything. Exactly. John three sixteen. Right. So, so, in a roundabout way, Jake, thank you, Jake. You're responsible for uh, the emergence. But what's what's funny is even then, ninety six. I mean, it wasn't. He he was going straight all that time, and you know he was getting some pop, but it wasn't until. Shit, man! Two years later, where the whole thing just really blew up, you know. But like he was still going as a string, like he would as a heel, and he would, uh, you know, he wrestled the Undertaker, if, you know, whatever. But um, you know, the whole Stone Cold phenomenon really didn't break out until what, maybe late '97, going into '98, when it really blew up. When he turned face and, you know, with the whole Mike Tyson thing. And then he started getting... And WrestleMania and, the, and, and Boston Garden. Right. right. So, I mean, you had a whole... Just about two years where Stone Cold was doing his thing, but he was still... He hadn't really blown up to Stone Cold that we got to know him. Right. You can lean back, by the way, in terms of... I, I, yeah, we're getting good audio. I mean, you lean forward, lean back. I'm just letting you know. Like, it's... it's um, the audio's fine. So, uh... Okay, so that's let, let's just backtrack a little because in terms of that, uh, how did you get into wrestling? How did you, how did how, what was the allure for you? And like how did um, I? It's funny. I, I still remember pretty vividly uh, hanging out with a buddy of mine, Brian Christopher, lived around the corner, and he had a couple of the brothers. I was had to be about I was about thirteen maybe, and um, you know I had always passed wrestling on TV, but I had never really followed it. So we were over at his house one Saturday morning, and um, I know he was watching. We used to get the world class uh, championship wrestling broadcast on Channel 25. So we were watching, um, it was the Von Erics and the Freebirds in one of their classic battles. And I was like, damn, look at these guys go. 
And I remember he was going, his, this kid's older brother was going to the garden that night um, to the matches. I think it was back running against George Ann with Steele, if I can remember right. And I remember watching that with them, the Freebirds, the Von Erics, and from then on, I just, I just started slowly getting into it, and that was it. It just took off from there. But that was my pretty much my introduction to it. But weren't they the Texas League? Yeah, but they would, um, they were syndicated out. So on Saturday mornings, Channel Fifty Six would show um, WWF, right? Um, Channel 25 would show the world-class wrestling. So, yeah, one was at 10 o'clock, one was at, like, 11 o'clock. Now, at the time, did, did Vince's father own all of them? No, no. Not uh, yet? No, not yet. No, no, no. He. It's funny because um, back in the day, like, you had a different faction. You know, your NWA, AWA. But they were all worked. They were all had a it's kind of committee. Right, it was all regional, but they all worked as a, um, a governing body. Like, they would have meetings, all of them, and they would determine, like, who would be champion. You know, like, they would all work together. That's why Vince, when he, um, you know, reading all these books and hearing all the stories, when Vince bought out from his father, he always said, he goes, if my father knew what I was going to do, he never would have. Just be careful of that. He, sorry. Yeah. He never would have, um, he never would have sold out to me. Trying to you know globalize it and putting everybody else out of business because back then you know you there was like you know they were all friends you didn't you didn't you know run your buddy out of town you know what I mean like they all had their own territories and they just worked their own areas Vince of the Northeast you know Fritz von Erich did Texas Crockett's did Mid Atlantic you know so 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 when Vince Senior passed away that's when that's when Vince McMahon just he had already but I, you know what I think I think Vince Junior had already um, bought out, bought him out in like maybe late 82, 83. I think he had already bought him out, but he didn't do his whole, you know, globalization takeover until he said, well, I'm going to bring Hogan in to be my champion. And that kind of took off. Right. Well, he, he started out buying up the regional areas, the, the, the smaller regional federations. Yes. Where- where uh, NWA, later on to be known as WCW, still loomed. Well, I remember you telling me, you guys used to get um, NWA on TBS, right? Right. See, okay, we didn't have TBS until, I'm going to say 86 or 87, up my way. Um, so, I remember this, and, and this, is a, this, is, this is historic right here. I think it was July 14th of 84, the exact date. Everybody turned on the TBS expecting to watch their programming. And as soon as they turn on, there's Vince McMahon um, at the broadcast booth saying, you know, welcome to World Wrestling Federation Action. Like he was at the actual, you know, the broadcast podium where, you know, Gordon Soley or not used to work. And he would show, he showed like pre recorded WWF matches. They call it Black Saturday. Because everyone was like, what the hell is this? What happened was the Briscoe brothers, I guess, who had a big uh, stake in, in uh, the TBS, but they sold out to Vince. So he went on the air. <laughs> Nobody knew that was going to happen. People turned it on, expecting to watch NWA. And there's Vince, you know, bringing in his guys to wrestle. You know, Big John Studd, Iron Sheik. They were all like, pre-recorded matches, you know what I mean? Oh. Uh, well, who's... But, but so Crockett was just a figurehead? Um... No, I think he's still... He might have... 
No, I think he still had um, part of the business, but I know that the, the, the Briscoes sold a lot of their shares to him. Like, they had a big part of the company. So Crockett was still involved, because obviously, all the way up through the, the late 80s, Crockett was still doing the program in there. Um, and he, oh, he inherited from his father, right? Yeah, don't, it was the two of them, the brothers, uh, uh, Jim Crockett and David Crockett, weren't they brothers, the two of them? Is that how it uh, I thought it was a father and son. Oh, duo. you might be right then. You might be right. But I don't know how long that actually went on for. Um, I think the next week they went back to the NWA, if I can remember right. But that is that goes down as one of the you know a historic date in wrestling history, and that kind of started the whole. You know, doesn't blow up. If maybe. you lived in the Northeast, you were like, holy shit. I, no, I think the people who lived down south are more like, holy shit, because we saw it every week. That's all we really knew was WWF. But oh, you guys I down south put on TBS, because we didn't have TBS at the time up there. So, so people down south, you know, where you're from and, you know, Carolinas or whatever... They put it on thinking they're watching their regular NWA, you know, Dusty Rhodes, Ric Flair, whoever. And there's Vince, you know, announcing his programming. And, oh, today you're going to see great WWF stars like the Iron Sheik and, you know, Adrian Adonis and Dick Murdoch. And, and he would show matches from WWF wrestlers. And people were up in arms. They were like, what is going on here? That's That was beginning of it man that's when he started you know buying into all the cable networks like on USA he had a program called um, All American Wrestling on Sunday mornings right he would do the hosting of the show but he would show wrestling from other promotions like he would show the Bon Erics and uh, you know Manny Fernandez down in, in El Paso Texas or whatever but um, I guess that's when he was starting to buy into... Because USA was just starting to blow up big at that time. Probably like, you know, late 83, you know? Um, he started buying up time in all these other cities. So th that's what kind of blew it up. And he was starting to do house shows, I remember. Matter of fact, if you go to YouTube now, because I, you know, you know, this is what I do. <laughs> I like to watch old wrestling vids and, you know, promos and whatnot. And you can see old, you know... Promos advertising for shows in the Los Angeles Coliseum back in '83. You know what I'm saying? So he was already branching out nationwide. Yeah, he. Uh, I mean, it was very regionalized in the '80s. Yeah. Right. I mean, he. I think it was like a like a gentleman's agreement. It was. He would have. He would have the Northeast. That's why I was saying with his father. That's that's what it was. Like you you knew not to not to tread on your you know the other guys. You know, that's his that's his area. You don't F with that. You don't fuck with it, man. You leave him alone. That's his that's his bread and butter. Vince had the Northeast, you know, my area, Philly, New York, all the way up. And then, you know, again, you had guys in in California, guys in the Midwest. You know, uh Vern Gagne had the AWA. You know what I mean? So everyone had their own regions. But I I I brought up the uh I brought up Stone Cold and I brought up 90, uh, obviously the the birth of Stone Cold in uh, '96 because I I really feel like I feel like he was the the apex. He really was. I mean, wrestling was wrestling, you know, in the '80s. But for I, I, I think he. I mean, the the, the Attitude Era. I really agree. just was just so innovative. I think you're right. And as big as Hogan was, 
and the pop that he got in you know mid eighties. I don't. I, I agree, man. I, I don't think that had. I don't think that can hold a candle for what Steve Austin did in that day. I just think also, but because of what Austin was all about at the time. Sorry, hey, Kyle, I, I we can hear. I can hear that. Awesome. Yo, you can just close the door. This door, if you. Sorry. Um, <laughs> you know the whole beating up the boss, drinking the beer. You know what I mean? It was like. Right. I mean, think about that. Yeah. Who couldn't relate to that? Right, exactly. He was the everyman. Yeah. See, yeah. So, like, when I was a kid, honestly, so I, because I, yeah, I had the best of both worlds. So I had Hogan and Flair, and I loved Ric Flair. I mean, who, Ric Flair was like, he was like a cool villain. He of was course. Like, oh, Flair's great. And he, he had great mic skills. But Hogan, for me, was like, yeah. Like, I recognized he was like the face of... He was the face of the thing that I really liked. So, yeah, okay. Yeah, I mean, eh, whatever. But, like, he, he never spoke to me. He was never, like, my favorite. No, and and, and, and knocking Hogan is also, is like, yeah, he had the charisma and he had, you know, the, but <laughs> he couldn't, I mean, if you want to compare them as far as working skills, I mean, it's like night and day. I mean, Flair could go an hour with Ricky Steamboat five nights out of the week. Hogan's big match was about ten minutes long, maybe, and it was just him punching and, <laughs> and, and getting that second win. Yeah, I mean, there was nothing to his his style. You know what I mean? And then the big leg drop, and then there you go. That's the end of it. You know, it's funny. But I think the the um, what pushed wrestling from from like uh, you know this this carnival act into the mainstream was this mass appeal in the in the eighties. You know, when you had like. Hulk Hogan's Rock and Wrestling exactly. Cartoon. Yep. You fused it, yep. I remember yeah. uh, remember the, the ice cream pops? I mean, you had lunch boxes. It's funny, because, yeah, you're right. And and that was, you know, with the whole thing when Vince brought in, um, you know, Lua Battle was in the Cindy Lauper video. Do you right. remember? Yeah. And then he brought her into the act, and that spawned the whole, you know, water set of the score into WrestleMania. You know what I mean? So it, 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 it broke, it definitely went more mainstream. Like, if you watch the old footage from that, the, the kickoff to WrestleMania, that water set of score, I think it was holding his pipe with the whole Cindy Lauper, they brought in Mr. T. They had interviews with, at the end of the matches, like, you would have guys coming in the locker room, you have like Joe Piscopo and Danny DeVito and, um, what's, Homeboy, fucking what's his name? The um, the uh, Andy Warhol. Oh, really? Yeah, like they were coming in, and Gene Oakland would bring in the man and be like, "Oh, you know, what do you think about the show tonight? Oh, it was the greatest thing ever." Yeah, I mean, it was amazing, man. Like who, you would never think that. Like, well, I remember during that 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 pubescent phase, they they were all, they were like rock stars. I mean, like Hogan was like a rock star, uh, Piper was like a rock star, and that was it, man. That was. Vince, you know, he capitalized. He knew what he was doing. Even to this day, I mean, call him an asshole, whatever, man. But guy knows how to make money. So for people who aren't too familiar, who are listening to this and uh, and and haven't tur- and haven't like removed the <laughs> earbuds, grew up yet, and haven't removed the earbuds <laughs> from their their ears, um, heel and babyface. Let's get into that. Like what what. What is a heel? What is a baby face? What makes a good heel? What makes a good baby face? Well, I think that I, me personally, I think, I think you can't have anything without a, a monster heel. 
that's got to be the whole catalyst, you know, because who is the who is the big baby face? Who is the good guy? You know, he was the bad guy, the one right. everybody hates. The good. You need you need a Hogan. You need someone for him to have to fight to in order to get. That's why I I believe this is true. I mean, the whole WrestleMania thing. As much as it's Hogan and he was the man, if it wasn't for for Roddy Piper and his the hatred and, and what he brought to the table, you wouldn't have it. I mean, the heat he got, man, back then. I mean, it was just off the charts. I mean, he was just he was a monster. He was just he was the most hated guy. I, you know, watching it back when I was 13, 14 years old, I was like, this guy is off the charts, man. He is just vicious, you know. Like Piper was the man. Yeah, he he had a. I mean, when you think about Mike skills, he's he was like probably oh, the yeah. best. So the ref, So we a term that we've been throwing out a lot, like uh, heat, is basically mean when, whenever a wrestler is like gaining momentum, it's gaining crowd appeal, regardless if they're a heel or a babyface. Um, and and you know, I circle back to to Stone Cold. They wanted to make him a heel, but be because he, he had so much heat. He had to make they, him. They a had face. to make him a babyface. Yeah. yeah. And it was, just, I think it was a unique time in, and not only in, in uh, wrestling as an entertainment form and, and where we were maybe as a, as a culture, as a society, that you had this, like we were saying before, you had this guy who was so belligerent, who was so fuck you, who would pour beer on his boss, who would just break the rules, and he was, he was, he was marketed as a villain, and people loved him. And and they couldn't do it like they. It's like well, we, they, the Bret Hart match, for instance. Right. Bret Hart was uh, he was the babyface. When they the whole psychology to that where, Bret Hart beat him so bad that he went heel all of a sudden, and they Austin, switched. Right, and that was the turnover exactly. They switched it, and nobody had to lose face. Right. It just was a perfect. The perfect rollover. They, they knew exactly what they were going with it. The psychology was out of control. That's the match where you had uh, Shamrock was the referee. I remember it. Right. Matter of fact, I'm, I'm going to go back to the WWE Network tomorrow and watch that. Now that we're talking about it. But um, <laughs> yes, that's what turned. What uh, what 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 um, what event was that? WrestleMania. God, if I can remember the number now, it was '97. It was early 97. And then the I next year was in Was when was he Boston? won the title, yeah. I don't remember which one that was. It might have been 17. I can't really remember. Um, don't the, really remember. The date will do. The date will do. People can look it up. Yeah, but look it up. WWE Network is the greatest thing. Next to NFL Red Zone, I think it's the greatest <laughs> thing ever invented. I got to tell you. I mean, it's all there. But, um, um, geez, man, I just remember watching that match and... and um, not live, but watching it on tape. And it was just so back and forth, so vicious, and it was perfect. Like, Bret Hart was just pummeling him so hard that he just, all of a sudden, bad guy status. Everyone right. felt bad for Steve Austin, babyface, just like that. And that's what blew it up. And then from there on out. Well, also, too, I think Bret Hart, if I can remember correctly, Bret Hart at that, at that time, he was... He was a baby face, but he was kind of like, eh, he didn't really have any pop, right? Yeah. I mean, he was kind of getting And then, stale. of course, I don't know, I don't know, they, they always have this fascination with making Canadians like these real evil, like, uh... Yeah, Canadians. Yeah, I don't know why, what is it about Canadians being so evil and well, devious? Well, what is it about wrestling, like, wrestling, it, wrestling, it's funny how, like, wrestling can be so un-PC and it's okay. 
Like you have oh, like the factions, like the gangs, like the racist gangs. You have an African American who has is draped in chains, and his move is the headbutt, <laughs> and he and he's they call him the dog. Yeah, and it's okay. It's okay. You have another black dude who has no shirt and walks around with a bird. Oh I mean, yeah, that's okay. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, it's yeah. You're right, man. I mean, well, you remember the time of the '90s. You remember the same time, man, when you had, uh, you know, you, you had him start this whole angle with the whole race war. You had like the Nation of Domination. Then you had like the the skinhead biker gang and the the group of Puerto Ricans. You remember? You had who the, who's the skinheads? Um, DOA. Remember there was the biker gang? In, in WWF? Yeah, it had to be like 98. Chains and 8-Ball. Remember they were like this, the, the biker gang? They were called Disciples of Apocalypse, I think they were called. Who did they feud with? I think they feud with the Road Warriors for a while. But they had a whole, the whole mix. Like you had the Nation of Domination, all the black guys. You had the Boricuas, the Puerto Ricans. You had, um, then you had the Hillbillies, like um, the Godwins and... Right, right. I just remember the time, and again, look, watching it, man, we know that McMahon has no, he's, he's, he's not the most politically correct guy in the world. I mean, well, you know, <laughs> but pro wrestling is a lot like society. Well, no, I was going to say it's a lot like sketch comedy. Okay. It's a lot like, it's a lot like Saturday Night Live. But he kept, I, you, when was the last time you laughed at Saturday Night Live? Probably I, when you were, I haven't watched it in God, years and years. I'm sure it was funny as shit when you were 12, right? True, true, true. Right. So it's kind of like the same thing. You come in, you, people come in and out, there's these little skits. Yeah, true. I remember when you and I went to the garden, and you, it, it almost was like a vaudevillian act, because seeing it live, you can see the wrestlers like, oh my God, oh my God, and then, you know, then the skit is over, and then you kind of see them exit, and then, you know, a new skit begins. Yeah, you're right. It is. I mean, it is. I mean, obviously it's a show. I mean, we know that. I mean, it's scripted out. They know what they're going to do. Right, so, so as a kid, or having a you know looking at it from a kid's prism, having like you know the Russian bad guys who right. are all who are all Midwesterners, or like having like uh, you know the black guys who are humble but can get funky, who can get down and funky, <laughs> Harlem Heat, who are both of them are from Texas, right? Right. Um, I I I think it just kind of placates into like your kind of. Like, like your lowest common denominator in terms of your imagination of like. Yeah, I mean, when we're, you're right. When we're that age, you just you, you know you see the iron sheik and you're like, oh, this guy's you know he's brutal. I mean, but I mean everything is perfectly like you said worked out. I mean, they couldn't have worked out any better from like man. I mean, with the whole Hogan thing. I mean, there you have the Iranian. You know what I mean? And then the, Mr. All American comes in and beats him. You know what I'm saying? It was just perfect. You know, um, timing was great and it worked out and. I guess, yeah, he just, he knows how to capitalize on that stuff, man. Good for him. You know? Let's talk about managers. Okay. So, what does a manager do if, okay, so we're under the premise that wrestling is choreographed, right? you know, it's all scripted. What would a manager do? What would he do in a story? Oh, oh, in, in, oh, what's the purpose in for him? Pr- practical reasons yeah oh practical reasons a manager is a guy who, who guides your career correct I mean okay well let's like Mr. Fuji Bobby Heenan who's probably the best uh, Paul Ellering who, who who managed the Road Warriors have you noticed that, I've always noticed that like bad guys needed well that's the whole purpose of the manager is to bring along is to, to give heat to a guy 
an up and coming who you want to build up. The manager, the mouthpiece, is the guy who carries the story. I mean, you know, look at some of the best. Like you said, the, the best ones are Bobby Heenan. Um, that I mean, if you want Jim Cornette, right? But I think Paul Heyman these days. I mean, so they they basically would pair a guy who, who couldn't cut a promo. I would think so for the most thin. part. For yeah. the most part. That and I think that if you have a guy who's like a guy, a new guy comes into a territory and you're trying to build him up, I think it's good to pair him with the manager who, who could like a mouthpiece. I guess it shows that he's, you know, he's got props, you know what I mean? Like, he, you know, everybody, you know, oh, I want to guide this guy's career, you know? I mean, if, if it were real, <laughs> honestly. But yeah, I mean, it's funny because on the network also they have a show called um, Legends of Wrestling, which is great. Because you have like a panel, you have guys like uh, Dusty Rose, Pat Patterson, old Michael Hayes. Like they'll just sit and they'll have a topic and they'll just talk about the old days, and it's great, man. You can watch these shows and they go on for like an hour or more. And they have it on each show. They have a different theme, and one of them was about the managers and the importance of the manager to the show. And you know, you look at guys like um, back in the day. Oh, Freddie Blassie, the Grand Wizard. I mean, they just were—they—they they were great for the act. I mean, they just got a lot of heat. Like they would just—they would bring it, you know. And back then, like when people thought it was real, I mean, these guys would almost get attacked. I mean, that's how bad people hated them, you know. But they were doing that job. So, you know, I. So, do you think there is? I mean, does it really make a difference in terms of like in the in the embryonic stages of the? Uh, Sport slash form of entertainment when people thought it was real, I think, like the Bob Backlund era, did they think it was real? I, I think yeah. Okay, well, I guess what I'm getting at is like versus okay versus now. Yeah, no, because now nowadays they'll make no bones about it. They just call it sports entertainment. I mean, right. you know it's fake. I mean, obviously they have total divas. They have these shows. You know it's fake. Back then, like when we were kids, like. You know, when I would watch it, my dad would always be like, oh, my God, it's so fake. Because he would remember as a kid. But, you know, at 12, 13 years old, I'm like, no, no, come on, man. You know, you don't think like that. Even though people always say it's fake. And if you really look at it, you're like, yeah, there's no way a guy can get kicked in the head ten times and get up. You know what I mean? I mean, but they didn't, well, also, that's when the, the whole kayfabe thing was huge, where, like, you didn't. Acknowledged it like if guys were feuding, you couldn't even be seen in an airport together, even though they would travel together all the time. You know, you, you couldn't because you had to carry on the illusion that no, these guys were really enemies. Right. So no, they didn't. They didn't allude to the fact that it was fake. No, they carried on like it was real, even though deep down we all knew that it wasn't. You know. But I just think we didn't think of it like that. Even to this day, when I watch it, I mean, obviously I know it's fake, but. It's entertainment. I mean, someone's watching The Terminator. You know what I mean? It's like, but you're just watching it just for the fun, you know? I think if, you know, and a lot of people who, who can't grasp it, it's hard It's hard to have an entry point now because it's like, it's so ridiculous. I think if, I think and there's other people, like mostly guys, who have like, oh yeah, I remember Hulk Hogan when I was growing up or whatever. So at least there's some point of reference. If you've never watched it and as an adult, I think it's very hard to get into because it's very like I'm saying it's very, it's very, um, it's kind of juvenile and it's kind of 
uh, nostalgic. And you kind of have to take it with tongue-in-cheek, right? You kind of say, like, oh, God, you know, we won't believe what happened last Monday. Right. Yeah. But 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 you you're you're kind of making fun of it, but but being on the side, being on their side of the fence. I mean that I feel like that's kind of how I've always been, you know. And I, I mentioned this before, like so um, you know we revamped the show, and uh, you know Tom was on in an earlier incarnation. I've I've shared the story before, um, but for those of you that that weren't privy to the story, I didn't. I very when I was really young. Um, uh, I had a guy in my neighborhood. Uh, his name's Randy. So before I couldn't remember his name. His name was Randy, and he went by the he, uh, the the Mast Mast Marvel, I think. Um, and he had a couple of different aliases. But he this is in the era where you would uh, you would cut yourself. He revealed all the secrets to us, which and, is a no no back then. Yeah, I don't know why. I don't know how. I think because he knew my brother, and so my brother, my older brother, um, and him were kind of friend, like peripheral friends and but again I don't know why he decided to um, let me behind the curtain but that endeared me more so I I, I knew early on of all the set like that it was uh, it was all predetermined right but that made me appreciate it on a different level of like wow so this is like an actual production you actually have to plan all this out and you actually have to you know like choreograph this and like you know coordinate with the other guy and it just it made me appreciate it uh even more as opposed to is it is it real or is it not real? right right yeah yeah i um and that's what i love too about it man. especially nowadays like i love looking at all the old stuff and like reading stuff and watching all i love just listening to the old stories about you know the old days and how they went about it i just love the the, the back side of the business like how it's all comes together, man, you know, like, it's just, it's cool, you know, now, as more than I like watching the wrestling, I mean, I watch, you know, Raw, a lot of times, I just put on this background noise, or a lot of times, I just record it, and I just, you know, the next day, I just fast forward through it, and just get all the, I don't even watch the matches anymore, I just watch all the promos, yeah, right, like, yeah, yeah right. <laughs> it's too long, man, it's too long, it just drags, but, um, oh, so what? So TNA is not currently on air. I I know they switch nights, but um, it's on. Uh, it was on Spike, but didn't Spike the contract? Yeah, they ran dropped out? them. So maybe it's not on TV anymore. That's I don't true. even know. I wouldn't know, dude. I haven't watched that. In, that's well, weren't they on Sci-Fi at one point? No, um, SmackDown on Sci-Fi. Oh no, they were always on um, Spike. What was ECW on? Didn't they like before? Before they like defunct. Yeah, before they went. When Vince brought ECW back, they were on. Um, I think they were on Sci-Fi as well. I think. Could be wrong. I'm not trying. I'm trying to remember. It wasn't Spike. It's um, a good question. I have to look that well, up. Well, Kurt Angle just became the champion last Friday. Who I read that he's trying to get back to. That's another thing. Before we go any further. That's another thing. Me and my buddy of mine were just talking about this the other day. How much has changed now that you have all these, you know, all the social media, like Bleacher Report and, you know, all the Facebook posts. I mean, how much, how wrestling is now 
blows up because of that. Like as far as like with WrestleMania coming Sunday, like all the speculation of how it's going to go down. People proposing, oh, we have a script of the main event. You know what I'm saying? How I, I wonder how much that influences how they script it these days. You know what I mean? I wonder. I wonder if they have somebody monitoring all this so they can throw a wrench. So they're not so predictable. So they can throw a wrench in it. Because, like, for instance, like we were talking about earlier, man, this Sunday, the main event, which has, has had no heat and it's just brutal, the whole build-up, the whole Brock Lesnar and Roman Reigns, it's, it's amazing that they were able to, like, <laughs> carry this on, you know, as a main event. Because I remember when it first happened, when he won the Royal Rumble, I was like, wow, I don't know, him against Brock Lesnar, is this going to have enough juice to it? And going back to talking about managers, God, if it wasn't for Paul Heyman, this would be abysmal. Because at least you have him there and he carries it with all his promos, you know what I mean? Like, he builds up the match. He gets it going. And if you didn't have him <laughs> doing all this, you know, like... Where's, where's Joe Gertner these days? Oh, boy. Joe Gertner was a manager in, uh, in ECW days. And he always wore a neck cast. The quintessential stud muffin. Is it? Oh, yeah, that yeah, was his yeah. moniker. Remember when we used to always joke about that? Like when he would call, the, when the Dudleys jumped ship and he'd be like, hey, guys, did you talk to Vince and get me in there? <laughs> I don't know, we just started. We have to feel it out. Yeah, I wonder what happened to him. It's funny, I think Spike Dudley is, because uh, he's originally... Um, he was originally a teacher. And I think he's back to teaching, or I saw something recently about him, or he's selling real estate, something like that. He's originally from Rhode Island somewhere. I don't know what city, but he's from Rhode Island. And, I and he's saw... like showing an apartment, he's just it's like, just like start <laughs> bleeding from an open wound. <laughs> yeah, right? But um, yeah, I saw something on him recently, and I was like, oh wow, I forgot all about him. It's funny thing about guys who used to be in it who were totally not in it anymore. I was like, wow, what are these doing these days, you know? I saw somebody, I remember watching, remember we used to talk about this too, I was watching and I said, oh, I just came across a Shane Douglas video on YouTube, <laughs> just happened to stumble across it, but um, somebody commented and said he's now a manager at a Target in Pennsylvania somewhere, <laughs> which I just think it's hilarious, like, how does that happen, you know? Well, how does he, why would you promote him as manager automatically? Doesn't he have what to, are you like, talking about? Shane Douglas. No, no, I'm just. Are you saying? No, 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 no. I was just saying how we're talking about guys who used to be into it, and you don't see them anymore. Like, what are they doing now? Wait, but did you just say he? Were you joke? Oh, he's not the t the manager of Target. No, apparently he is. This That's what I'm saying. Oh yeah. What are like? I'm sure he can handle his job. Yeah, but, but like, how do you like? Yeah, the, well, you, his you resume. Yeah, like what did he do? Is he like? A, is he like? Did he go to school for like um, you know? Management or something? I mean, who well, knows? Well, his resume, I can pretty much predict. It says ECW champion. <laughs> yeah, like... As, as, a, as a retail outlet, you're going to look at that and like, what the fuck does that mean? <laughs> well, that's what I'm saying. That's why I wonder. It's like, okay, before he got into wrestling, did he have some kind of schooling in retail management? I mean, who knows? Okay, on the flip side, say you're going to get something, you're going to get like a big wheel... For your kid, or maybe an air conditioner, it's hot. And he's like, "Okay, what you want to do is, you know, you gotta, you gotta, you know, what kind of, what kind of unit do you have? You gotta you make have sure a, you have a, the right amount of BTUs. Yeah, yeah, you gotta always make the BTUs. Hey, man, aren't you Shane? Douglas? Can you can you rub your hands together like this? <laughs> no, 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 I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> Hilarious. Kind of like um, 
Oh, Randy the Ram and um, uh, the wrestler. Oh, yeah. When right, he was slicing yeah, yeah. the deli meat. You know? But, um, yeah, well, wow, we really got sidetracked. Where were we? Uh, that's right. Wow. But, um, yeah, going back to this week's WrestleMania, it just doesn't have... I mean, I'll watch it just because, you know, because I can now, because I, I have the network. Um, I'll watch it, but a lot of it, it just doesn't have a lot of juice behind it. You know, I guess How you can ask anybody. Oh, fucking four hours, man. Jeez. It's a marathon. And as a matter of fact, they, they, have a, they always have a pre-show, right? Um, this, this time it's two hours because it's mania. Usually it's like an hour. They'll just like, before, they'll, they'll have a panel like Booker T and uh, a couple other Jamokes. And they'll be talking about, you know, you know, talking about the night's matches. And, you know, what do you say? What do you think is going to happen? And then they throw a match in there, like, to whet everybody's appetite, apparently. They had a, a match set up for Mania. I just saw that they moved it to the pre-show. And I wonder why. The Andre the Giant Battle Royal, they started it last year. The Andre, they have an Andre the Giant um, trophy, like mm-hmm. a statue of Andre. And, um, so basically, if you you're not good enough to res- be at WrestleMania, well, just, see, that's basically just what it is. You into this. That's what it is. They just throw about 30, 30 guys on the roster and just throw them in there, and 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 yeah, I mean the prestigious. Oh, I won the Andre Trophy. I mean, there's really nothing to it. But apparently, they just moved that. That's apparently it has doesn't have that much juice as it is. They had to move it to the pre-show. So all these guys, so you basically you got guys in there like the Big Show, Kane. You guys are pretty heavy hitters in there, and they can't even make it to the to the regular show. Wow. So that would be the equivalent if Heat was still on. There would be Heat. I guess that's what they do now. Right. That's what it is now. They have the pre-show to the pay-per-view, and they always that, have a a singular match. On that's not that. broadcast. That's part of the pay-per-view. No, if you no, if you have the um, if you watch it on the network, you. Right, that's what I meant. Yeah, so if you just order... Because you still have the option of ordering the pay-per-view. I don't know why people would do this. It doesn't make any sense. But you still have the option just to order the pay-per-view for like $70. As opposed to paying the 10 bucks a month and watch it. You know what I mean? But you can still have the option to do that. But if you don't have the network, I don't think you watch the pre-show. You just get it from the beginning. So that's kind of the, uh, the caveat to... You know the character. Order the order the network because you can see the pre-show. Like who gives a fuck anyway, right? But uh, yeah, like they just I just saw this posted that they moved that to the pre-show. So that's pretty lame. You know one thing that uh, um that I think it's uh it's been a recurring tragedy throughout the years and and something that obviously doesn't get a lot of uh, a lot of spotlight on is um. A lot of the uh, uh, drug abuse amongst wrestlers, usually because I mean whether it's whether it's like hardcore drugs like cocaine, oh, yeah. or now. or even just or even just like uh, HGH just for like body mending. Right. I mean, I think they go through so much wear and tear more than like even like traditional pro athletes. Just, I mean, just being on the road, it just uh, compromises your body's ability to to heal. And, uh, I mean, think about, like, things, I mean, do you, I mean, you run the risks, you run the physical risks every night you're out there, but then you have 
you know, situations like Chris Benoit, who was just, I mean, that was just like, like that's just, that's just nuts. Yeah, it really is. And, and, I mean, however many, I mean, you're talking eight years ago now, and it's, I remember when that shit went down, and it was, it was, it was just bizarre. Even to this day to think about it, you know? That someone can go through that shit. But no, what, what do you, I can't remember, what was he on? I think he was just a, a total roid rage. He was just going through. It was just steroids? I, I mean, I allegedly, know. just steroids? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, he might have been on another drug, but I just remember, um, basically, it was just a, I think he was a, really abusing the steroids, and um, God, he even wanted to, he wanted to give it to his Eight-year-old son, because he didn't think he was big enough. I mean, I thought you know, there, I've been, I was reading that you know because he had a lot, of, he had a, a, a series of concussions that that okay, kind of that, that, that might related to it. that might have triggered it. Yeah, I mean, it could be who the hell knows. I mean, we'll never know because he killed himself. I mean, we'll never know, you know. Um, but hearing the stories about how it went down, man, I mean, it's just it's really it's it's, it's scary, man. It's just but just think about like. Hell. All these wrestlers, I'm like, think about like the just the pain medication that they have to take. Yeah, and you know what, dude? I it's funny talking about how we all got into it and watching the old days. Like, it's it's amazing to see all the guys we used to watch. How we're all it's like a whole generation is gone now from that shit. Really, you know? Look at all the guys who have died due to drug abuse. Whether people, you know. Coke or steroids, I don't know, you know, whatever drives me. But so many guys have just gone over time that, like, it's crazy, you know? It's like our childhood is gone now because all those yeah, guys. Yeah, I are, mean, I remember as a kid and I watched, uh, I think it was like Entertainment Tonight or something, and they had a, they had Superstar Billy Graham on. And it's, he what, said, like, my walker? Yeah, yeah, it's like my bones are brittling because of steroids. I mean, that, that was his claim. I mean, it's not well, far, it's not I mean, far fetched. No, it's not. I and mean, think about him. I mean, he was big in mid to late seventies, and then I mean, he was he was enormous. I mean, he's pumping juice since then. So you can imagine, you can imagine what his body went through. But I remember when he came back for that run in WWF. I mean, he was he was in tough shape. Then he got so bad, he just said, "Yeah, he had to have one of those walkers." Yeah. Who is uh who's your favorite growing up? I mean, I mine was uh mine was Jake the Snake. I like I like Randy Savage. I think Ric Flair. I, I always like the heels. I do too. And I think the guy I mostly got drawn to when I started getting into it, and and it was because of the whole the battle he was having with Jimmy Snooker. I think the heel that I really loved was Magnificent Morocco. Really? Yeah, just everything about him and just. His wrestling style, and, I mean, his promos were just like cutting edge, man. I mean, you you watch him, and it was so much intensity. Like, you just you thought that shit was just real. You thought he just was, you know, hated this guy. I mean, it was just it was off the charts. I mean, I loved him. I loved the mass superstar, who later became Axe from Demolition. <laughs> um, I was also a fan of the bad guys. Who was that uh, that demolition ripoff? Which I mean, it's kind of funny call anybody a demolition ripoff because demolition was obviously a road rage ripoff. Um, oh, the one we saw recently. 
You talking about we saw on Raw? They were on Raw recently. You talking about the Ascension? Yeah, is that who they are? Okay, okay. They're yeah, just yeah. the worst. They're the worst. I think I replied to you like, who the fuck are these guys? Yeah, it was just it was terrible. I mean, they're, they're the worst. They called the Ascension. Right. Brutal. Just brutal. In hindsight, I guess I guess I don't really I don't remember too much about like Demolition. I just remember they were quite because I was such a huge Road Warriors fan. I just and you always like, thought they were a big Road Warrior ripoff. They were WWF's answer to right. the Road Warriors. Yeah, I, but I don't remember like anything. I don't remember like anything about like what they did in the ring or anything. Oh, they just they just gave these beatdowns really. And I knew I always knew that was Crusher Khrushchev. Yeah. Or Barry Darso. Barry Darso. Yeah. Who later became the, the golfer? Remember, he was the golfer in Nitro. Uh, right. What was his? Towards the end, I think he just went as Barry Darso, but he was wearing the the golfer's outfit. Right. And then, but before was it before or after the the smuggler? Oh, the Repo Man. Repo Man. Oh, that right. was after. Yeah, that was after. Repo Man was like early '90s when wrestling was really on a downfall. Yeah, that was he wore the elephant with like the tire tracks on it. Right, right. That was like <laughs> yeah. around like Brooklyn Brawler era, right? Yeah, you also had um, you had some real bad gimmicks. You had the dumpster, remember right. the trash man? You had the goon, like the hockey player. Um, well, that was the wasn't that also the era of like the interchangeable fat man? Like you had earthquake and shark man, or well. Earthquake, you have the natural disasters. Okay. With okay. Uh, Typhoon. Okay, right. Yeah. Did Typhoon come out with a shark on his stunt thing? No, but later, no, I know what you're talking about. Later, when um, um, there was a guy called Shark Man, a Shark Boy, I think it was on Nitro, wasn't it? No, 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 no. No, I know, but that dude, he, he was like a thin, he was like a regular. Size guy, oh, right? Okay, all right. I'm talking this dude. He had like a like the Jaws logo, but like on his singlet. <laughs> I don't know if it was Typhoon, but I'm t- remember, I, I do remember what you're talking about, but I can't remember all the weird incarnations. So the one thing I loved about wrestling is that you can always reinvent yourself. Yeah, I like one one man gang. Was oh, what he became Akeem. <laughs> the African dream. How does that happen? Like in terms of reality, how does that happen? Oh, like, I love it, dude. I, I remember I remember when they brought it up too, like when Slick was doing a promo was saying that I discovered this guy from But see, I don't know if they ever said formally the one man gang. I think they might have just No nope. I think right it was just, into Well they never did. I never did. Remember um, uh, uh, The Godfather? What was he before the Godfather? Oh he was um well you had um First he was Papa Shango, the Haitian, uh, the voodoo guy. Right. Then he became Kama, the fighting machine. And he became Kama in the uh, Nation Domination. Then he slowly turned into the Godfather. Right. His intro was like five minutes long with the hoe train. Right. And, the whole, and he would dance out with other girls. Okay. And then recently, it's like three years ago or so, didn't they, didn't they try to do it again? Not him. But they had a guy who looked like the monkey from like Donkey Kong... Who was like this bruiser, and all of a sudden he became like this hip hop guy. Oh, oh, he's yeah, he laughed. He went to TNA. Um, Brodus Clay. Brodus Clay, that's it. They called him the Funkasaurus. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I, I feel like in in uh, in wrestling you have your there's like certain pegs you come in. Yeah. Like you're if you're black, then guess what? You know, if you could pass as a Russian, if you could do a Russian accent, you're playing a fucking Russian. Pretty much. Yeah, if you're, I guess if you look Chinese, then you're gonna do like some kabuki shit. Well, it's funny, I was telling Kaz, like the whole, when I was explaining about Mr. Fuji, like, you know, he was a legend back in the day, and like, apparently he's 
he's from Hawaii originally. It's just like it works, you know. Hey, you're the evil Japanese guy, you know. One one thing, uh, you know, before we run out of time here, one thing <laughs> that I loved in terms of promos was okay. So you've got a, a pay per view looming around the corner. So naturally, when there's a feud, there's a wrestler who comes into the ring, or in the TBS, TBS days, they'd come in the podium near Tony Schiavone, and they talk so much shit. They'd be like, so much, like, you come out, I'm gonna, well, I'm paraphrasing, you come out here, I'm gonna stomp you, you're nothing, that title belongs to me, I'm gonna stomp your ass. You're nothing, that, that strap is gonna be around my waist. But I'm not gonna do it now. And then, right. <coughs> or the guy shows up and they don't do nothing and the guy like starts melting like hot chocolate like oh, what, do do? what do I do he's like I'm here I'm here nah you want me to go out there and beat you up you want me to go out there and and, and, and prove settle the score but I'm not gonna do it tonight but, but what happened to the 10 minute monologue that you just gave I love it and you know what's funny too like I had another talk with somebody recently. Like, now, the pay-reviews are a dime a dozen. Every month you have it, right? So, you have no time for any kind of a build-up. So, they just throw these shit matches. Just, they build them up out of nowhere, right? But, like, compare it to the old days of WrestleMania. One, two, three, whichever. You had almost, you know, you had four months build-up to WrestleMania. I mean, because you only had... At the time, you only had like the, the four, you know, yeah, Survivor Series, Rumble. You only had like four of them, right? So you had all this time to, to build a storyline, and it it, it 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 was it felt real, you know what I mean? So, whereas now they just like remember we always joke about how like um, you know Chris Jericho spills a cup of coffee and cane. <laughs> Next month they have a Hell in a Cell match. I mean, it's just like they don't have any time to throw anything together, so they're just kind of making it up on the fly. You know what I mean? It's like... I also felt like, too, there were times where they kind of ran out of ideas in terms of what types of matches. Remember that one time? Like, I think it was... Uh, WCW, I think, did that, where they had trucks parked along the, the, the ring, and if you, if, some, if you got dumped out the ring, you, the trucks would, like, throw you back in. Oh, boy. You know what I'm talking about? Probably. This is, like, around the Jay Leno era. Yeah, they had some really bad ones, man. They had some really bad, bad stories. I mean, Nitro was... Remember we used to get together? We would always watch it just for the comic factor. Right. You know, one hour before, we would just watch how bad it was. I mean, it really got bad. In that time, 98, early 99, it was just oof, tough. Tough to watch. But, hey. But, um, yeah. What, I mean, what uh, I guess... Okay, for uh, just... In, in, in closing, from for my end, I think wrestling will always hold a place in my heart because it's it's action fantasy. It's an action soap opera, and you know if you it, 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 it's not your cup of tea. But you know, then again, you know Shakespeare is not everyone's cup of tea right. either. You know, and the the argument of like, well, why would you watch it if you know the you know if you know it's fake? But you go you well. I guess drawing the line of like Shakespeare, you know, you know Julius Caesar's gonna die at the end, right? But you watch anyway because you want to see how it unfolds. Exactly. That's that's from a, a practical standpoint, but also a lot of it is nostalgia and a lot of it is escapism. 
and it is like I think mo- I think eighty percent of the people watch it as tongue in cheek. I mean, for me, I it's it's such and also too, it's such an adrenaline escapism. Uh, going back to like uh, archetypes like Stone Cold or like Degeneration X, where it's just like fuck you. And I think that really spoke to a lot of people, regardless of where you are in your life, especially especially men, especially adolescents too, or right. just like fuck you. Fuck you! I'm just gonna fuck. I'm just gonna beat you up. I'm just gonna hit you over the head with a chair. Yeah, like wrestling to me, like that'll always like that kind of escapism will always have a a, a place in my heart. Yeah, no, I agree, man. And much as I, uh, you know, over over the years, like I would fall out of it for a while, and but I always still would watch. It wouldn't. I might not have fallen it, but I always watching it. You know, on the outside, you know, and I see what's going on, but. um yeah, it's just one of those things, man. Same with me. Like I, uh, I know we always joke about it, but I like I'll watch just because it's almost like a force of habit, man. You know, like I'm just I'm so programmed. Like oh, wrestling Monday night. Let me. Uh... Nowadays, I find it's myself. It's like an abusive relationship sometimes. Right. I mean, like oh now, man. But I was saying, like today's product isn't like you know it's a lot of it's tough to watch. So I don't find myself. I find myself bouncing around a lot. Like I'll. You know, I'll, I'll jump around a lot, but I'll always go back to it. Um, but it's just, yeah, it's just something I will always. I guess it's like you said. I mean, it's it's it was part of me growing up, and just something I'll just never lose touch with, man. It's just that, you know, it's fun. You know, like you said, it's fun. You escape. It's we know it's we know it's fake, but when I'm watching it, I don't look at it like that. I just I I you know I, I get excited like if I see the ending of a raw, and I'm like, oh wow. Look at that! I'm like, this is awesome, and I, I'm not thinking that it's fake. I mean, it just it it, it sucks me in, right? You know, so. But uh, uh, and on that note, uh, Tommy, thanks for coming on. Oh, thank thanks you, for man. Uh, thanks, bro. Thanks for doing this special after school house special. Yeah, man, this was this was fun, man. It's you know, right up my alley. What I love, man. Oh, and. <laughs> Uh, I'll put this in the intro, but uh, by the way, uh, uh, Tommy's in a new uh, in a band that uh, that uh, that, uh, where where can people find uh, information on the band? Oh, you can go to um, you can go to Facebook slash Sick Joke is the band. Um, We have a page and we have um, you can get directed. We have songs that we have put up. Um, You know, we're kind of in the beginning stages, uh, but we have we have tunes recorded. We're gonna start gigging in the next few weeks, so. uh, yeah, like I said, go to Facebook, look up Sick Joke, um, and there it is. And everything you need, to, everything you need is right there. Word. Right. Thanks again, brother. Thank you, man. Uh, and, on that, and on that note, everybody, uh, take care. Hare Krishna, Bodhisattva. All that stuff. Go out and do some good in the world. Yes, be cool. Thank you.